Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are doing our annual bracket challenge this year. Uh, we stepped away from crowning uh, the greatest rock and roll band, greatest American rock and roll band of all time, or the greatest album of the millennium so far, and we decided to go negative. Uh, what is the worst song of all time? We uh, had a lot of uh, very, very contentious debates uh, to get it down into the 200 range and then further pared it down to 64. We're going to do something new this year and start off with our Sweet 16 rather than uh, walking you through the whole uh, elimination process, 64, 32, 16. So we'll start off with 16. If you want to see how we got there, please go to our website, brotherpod.com, and uh, also play along with us and win prizes. Uh, We are uh, in the business of giving away prizes, and if you can... Draw up a a successful bracket that looks the most like our own in the end, then you will win. Um, And let me tell you, there's some really, really difficult matchups here. And uh, starting off with uh, my own personal number one seed, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. And um, going up against Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven. This is a match made in hell. Yes, a song that you've probably also said that you uh, that you truly deeply hate. Um, as much as we didn't start the fire, is that right? Uh, honestly, the way that we divvied this up, uh, giving point totals for uh, rankings one through sixty-four, I believe these were my top two ranked songs. It's so a uh, it's a powerhouse matchup of shit. I mean, you've got <laughs> Eric Clapton's hit post. Uh, Suspect, you know, suspicious child death in his later years, coming off his unplugged album, and then uh, Billy Joel's uh, rapping the history of the world to us. But here's here's the thing, Jared. You just saw the George Harrison documentary. Um, I just have been listening to the Clashes uh, podcast that Chuck D hosts on Spotify. And Christian, you've been alive long enough to understand. Like, Every time I see Clapton portrayed in any sort of documentary or history, uh, he comes off as a real douchebag. Well, that, that's what I mean. I mean, I think it's a cheap shot to get a hit off your eighth kid with your 20-year-old wife that fell out a window. It, it was, uh, yeah, it sort of indemnified him against all criticism after that, and it, was, uh, it, feel, it felt unfair. Uh, that said, we didn't start the fire is uh it's like everything you hate about baby boomers put into one track yeah. <laughs> sung by the ultimate baby. shitty baby boomer <laughs> exactly christian where do you stand on this stuff tell us how you really feel about your parents guys <laughs> um <laughs> i uh you know it's it's tough um I, I have to say i don't think i was subjected to either of them nearly the um uh, to the extent that you were um i can't say I like anyone who likes either of these songs. I, I mean, I might. Uh, I don't. I don't know that that's true. Um, I, it seems like it's a distinct possibility, um, but certainly it's not somebody I talk to music about. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, um, you know, we didn't start the fire. I, I, I think. Uh, dislodged. Let's say um, one of my. Uh, least favorites on on this 
on this on this tournament bracket, which was REMs at the end of the world. Um, ironically, Wyndham, as you've pointed out, it was sort of an homage in a horrible kind of way to, to that very song. Is that right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say an homage so much as a. Uh, I would make it a more. I would categorize that as more sinister and just a, an opportunistic. Uh, bandwagon jump by Billy Joel onto something that he thought was burgeoning and and popular, which is uh, the listicle song. Um, and like uh, you, would, you think you would you think you would have had somebody who was like screaming and a rapper if like Lincoln Park were popular at that point? Correct, correct. Yeah, okay, um, so it was it was a, a contrived, uh, repetitive, uh, hollow, cheap um, gesture you know, grasp at attention. Yeah, there's there's few things I hate more than when you know when I can audibly hear people run out of ideas, <laughs> and um, I'm happy he didn't have any fresh ones because the fresh ones weren't that good. But we didn't start the fire was just such a, a naked um, grab at something that was um, you know only a year old at that point I think or two year a couple years old at that point with the end of the well, world. It's funny, it's funny you say that because there are a few things I hate more than when people audibly run out of children. Um, and uh, in that respect, I think Tears in Heaven, um, you know, is, is kind of uh, is kind of the worst thing that Clapton's ever done. Well, the other S- thing I want to say, the other thing I want to say about Tears in Heaven, uh, and then we can move on to voting. But Tears in Heaven was on Clapton's Unplugged. Yeah, which is really annoying. And not only <laughs> that, but he, you know, I am. I'll give credit where credit is due. There's a couple of, of Clapton. Um, you know, a uh, couple of things he was he was associated with that I, I quite liked. I mean, Cream and um, Derek, Derek and the Dominoes. And the Dominoes particularly. I, know you have, I know you're a Derek and the Dominoes fan. Yeah, but he took all the good songs from those and ruined them on Unplugged as yeah, well. Yeah, that is the worst Slow version Layla. of Layla that yeah. I've ever heard about. And it was a huge hit, and it was inescapable. So um, uh, I'm going to let one I'm of you guys angry. vote first. Is, as, this is an interesting question, perhaps a future subject of a podcast episode, but is MTV Unplugged, I mean, with the rare exception of Nirvana, which I know that you guys don't love, um, but what, what which I, I think is... I Unplugged. I, I, think it's, I think it's very good, and I think it's aged relatively well for a band that otherwise, like, some of the, some of the real heartache um, of, of that guy's, you know, in that guy's mm-hmm. voice might have been lost if, if you hadn't had something so stripped back like that. Um, and so it sort of added to the mystery and sort of emotional um, depth yeah. of, of, of the of the band. Uh, that said, aside from that, has MTV Unplugged ever produced anything that, like, you don't dislike? I'd say it's missed more than it's hit, at least. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Oh, I'd um, say it's, Nirvana's <laughs> an exception. Nirvana's an exception, missed. and also because they picked such great covers to do that night. And, uh, again, like I said, Jared and I had seen them the two nights before that in New York. But um, I would say Mama Said Knock You Out uh, with, with that little Cool J's acoustic was pretty damn good. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think of it as full of bright spots. Other people do. It's, um, and the thing I don't like about I mean, I do like the Nirvana Unplugged. Uh, I just don't like um, All Apologies, which is the song that inevitably got played more than any other off that record. Oh, I feel like, see, it's funny. The one that I am sort of over because I think it, it had its day, you know, in the last 10 years was The Man Who Sold the World, the Bowie cover. I see. Um, anyway, we're getting off off point. We didn't start the fire, tears in heaven. Uh, Christian, you want to vote first? Sure. Um, 
No, I don't. Um, but, uh, man, I, I really don't want to send any one of these home, um, lest people confuse, uh, you know, that, that choice with, with, um, an endorsement. But, uh, I think, I think Tears in Heaven moves on for me. That would be my vote. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. And it really comes down to my recent experience with Eric Clapton on the Harrison dock and how much I realized when I was going back through his catalog that I fucking hate Eric Clapton. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I would be far, I don't know, far less upset if he had fallen out the window and not his son and we weren't stuck with this song. So (laughs) I'm going Clapton. Uh, Belgians in the Congo. All I got to say. Are you voting Clapton? Yeah. Oh, man. So my number one seed's out. Like, I might as well just tear up my bracket now. Yeah, but then you wouldn't get to, uh, then you wouldn't get to just, like, absolutely destroy the rest of the horrible songs on this list. It is, ah, that is a, a, that is a really tough loss for me. That is, that was, uh, like I said, that was my number one overall seed, and I think it Uh, absolutely earned it. Damien, Q Tears in Heaven. <laughs> um, no, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break though, um, and uh, leave you with this lovely little ditty from uh, our friend in Long Island. Just seen Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton beat out uh, the, the Billy Troll, uh, prolific Billy Troll, um, and uh, and and move on to the Elite Eight. Uh, I'm pouting. So, yeah, Wyndham is Wyndham is devastated. Um, I think uh, we are now moving on to uh, what honestly what I think is an equally difficult matchup here, um, and more of m- more of my era. Um, but but John Mayer's Your Body Is a Wonderland versus bare naked ladies one week now it's funny john mayer may be the modern eric clapton hmm i I like that take um i I would say this is your clapton versus billy joel right here yeah yeah no it really is it's like there's not i mean sort of just like cheese eating fucking you know like obnoxious annoying um uh, sort of instrumental and all, like uh, the instrumentation is just all wrong um, and Bare Naked Ladies versus a guy who uh, you know every once in a while somebody comes along and proves that like virtuoso guitar playing ability like 
just can be used for pure unadulterated evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in that case, uh, first of all, like we have on the one hand one of the worst names of a band ever, and Bare Naked Ladies. Um, Which is one of the worst song titles. Yeah, I was going to say, the song title, Your Body is a Wonderland, is so hard for me to say without getting chills. Yeah, Not the good kind. I'm going to be honest with you. It really didn't matter what it sounded like. It was probably not something I was ever going to say. I was never going to say, I love the song, Your Body is a Wonderland. (laughs) You've never used that line with a Tinder name? (laughs) It just wouldn't have come out of my mouth. Like, I I couldn't do it. Um, So it was doomed from the outset in that respect. Um, but it sounds worse than, uh, than, than the title would suggest, actually. Um, I listened to both of these again recently. I think it's part of the reason this is so tough for me is just the fact that um, the, the lyrics of the song One Week are just forever scorched into my mind, um, you know, by stupid sixth graders like John Hampton. Um, just rapping the song over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it, it really uh, comes down to, you know, one of the worst, uh, most garishly blatant attempts at picking somebody up. Um, Wait, which one? Your Body is a Wonderland. Nobody got no. picked up to one week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Except for they, sixth they, graders. They deserved it. By their mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And one week, you know, like I, I've said time and time again, it's it's this is what it would have sounded like if white Canadians invented rapping. <laughs> would have had a whole I, industry of this. You shit. mean they didn't? <laughs> I can um, put the first gauntlet down on this one. Hit it, um, and mainly just because I hate your body's Wonderland a lot, and I but I never had to hear it. I think as much, definitely not as much as Christian. And one week for some reason. I don't know, just the whole aesthetic of that band, the Chinese chicken rap, whatever the fuck he says, like, it's bare naked, <laughs> bare naked ladies for me. Yeah, it's bare naked ladies for me, too. Yeah, it's unanimous. It's unanimous. Right, well, God bless you, John Mayer. They won the uh, Molson's uh, trophy in that round. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's listen to one of these songs, and we'll be right back in a second. Another uh, masterful 
shit sandwich of a lineup here in the Midwest region. So we've got Jimmy Buffett's classic cheeseburger in paradise and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' Snow Heyo. Yeah, I, as I said uh, on the last podcast, I will, uh, and I'll just repeat myself again, I, I do hope that people understand that in some cases like this one, um, Cheeseburger in Paradise is simply a stand-in for the entire Jimmy Buffett catalog. Much the same as uh, We Didn't Start the Fire, served the same purpose for Billy Joel. So um, Cheeseburger in Paradise is a symptom, not the entire disease, but the entire <laughs> disease is in this competition. And uh, Snow Heyo is just a really, really irritating song. So have at it. No, it's, it's, um, it's, impre- it's incredible to me that like, uh, there's a, there's a like, perfect inverse correlation between the popularity of any given Red Hot Chili Peppers song or album um, and the extent to which I like it. Um, it, it, it's like that, that is pretty unusual for that to match up, like literally up and down an entire discography. Yeah. Um, but sure enough, it's like, I hate stadium arcadium slightly more than I hate Californication. And like, if you go all the way back to the eighties, um, Come you know, backwards. You, you find the stuff that, uh, that I really, you know, I think there's some, some real gems back there. Um, having said that, uh, you know, it was, it was clear that there, um, that their palatability was contingent upon taking some of the edge off their music, which by and large meant uh, slightly less sort of caustic, um, you know, hostile sounding, uh, weird, funky music. It was like, it it sort of, it it mellowed out and, and, you know, it was an attempt to become mainstream rock. And I think a big part of that was um, Anthony Kiedis and, and, uh, you know, really starting to sing rather than um, whatever yeah, it is that you would say he was doing. Just to make the distinction, it's, it's not that Anthony Kiedis learned to sing. It's that Anthony you can hear Kiedis what he's saying. decided to sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a major distinction. There's not a, you know, there was never... Um, there were no vocal lessons. No, it was, like, it, it was just um, gaining the confidence, which he didn't seem to, to lack ever, um, and, you know, putting it towards something much more naff and, like, wet nappy than, um, you know, they had previously done. They used to just chant along to the music, and it was kind of fun. Um, but then they, they went for, uh, I don't know, late rock. And anyway, I think we should call a vote because this is just... Snow Heyo is a reference to cocaine, right? No name. idea. Yeah, which is equally as lame to me when you hear that song. Is it? I, I have no idea. Do you know, Christian? Uh, no, I thought he was at a rehab at that point, but it seems... Yeah, but all he sings about is being addicted to drugs at one point anyway, so I'm it's almost positive. A, a different topic? It's pretty much the only thing he's ever done, so... <laughs> yeah. No, he really doesn't. But Heyo is slang for coke, and Snow Heyo no, is... Yeah, snow is slang yeah. for coke. But... But I mean, yes. Yeah, what snow. else could it mean? I hate that song. I'm not even right. Actually, I'm not going to analyze it. I vote for Cheeseburger in Paradise and the entire Buffett catalog. Yeah. yeah. Are you Are you really trying to dissect the lyrics of this song? I am. Yeah. The intricacies uh, of. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm perfectly willing Thomas to. Of stupidity. I'm I'm willing to uh, to to give up and say yes. I'm sure. Yeah. Probably it is cocaine. I'd never really thought about it. Um, I didn't detect like a worthy depth 
um, that like ever caused me to second guess the lyric. Um, could somebody tell me what the fuck a cheeseburger in paradise is? I think it's pretty on the nose. Yeah, like, just that. Cheeseburger in paradise. Lettuce, tomato. I don't think there's French a fried potato. You know, fifty-seven. Uh, <laughs> it's a fucking shitty song. Is what it is. <laughs> um, you know, this is. These are the. The. Uh, I guess this is a good time to um, go deaf. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there any, is there any, so the, the, like, one of the things that makes me hate Jimmy Buffett more is actually when people tell me that I should like him, um, because he's such an asshole. Yeah, I mean. Like, like, to hate him seems like first wave Buffett hatred, but then there's, like, a second wave of Buffett hatred that, like, goes deep, and it's like, well, actually, he's, like, a really smart guy, and he's taking advantage of his fans, and, like. That might I heard true. that about Jerry Garcia, and it didn't make me like him anymore either. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it might be true that he's taking advantage of his fans, but he's also bludgeoning me over the head with these fucking terrible songs. With the same 12 songs. This is this is the thing that drives me craziest about Jimmy Buffett, and I will probably you know be quoting myself directly from our, uh, from our um, Pantheon of Hate episode, but Jimmy Buffett fans are people who circle one day of the year then decide that that is the day they're going to have fun. And Jimmy Buffett comes to town, and they dress up like fucking goofballs, and he sings the same 12 songs every year. He basically sings his greatest hits package. And that is a good time. And then everybody goes back to, you know, you know, I don't know. Not their boats. Insurance, or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but it just, it, like, this whole idea of of people having like a prescribed neat requiring a prescribed setting to have to let loose and have fun is just sad. Yeah. Well, on that note, mm, anyway. <laughs> so, I voted Christian. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I it's, it's a cheeseburger in paradise for sure. I I mean I originally got mad at the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but now Wyndham has sufficiently replaced them with Jimmy Buffett. <clears throat> We're going nice. Buffett. So let's, let's say goodbye with a little snow. Heyo. Brother, brother, brother podcast. We are winnowing down our Sweet 16 uh, to find out what the worst song of all time is. And uh, here's a pretty decent matchup. One that uh, not everybody will recall because I don't think it had a lot of lasting power, but it fits so squarely into that marriage of shitty video and shitty song and shitty band that uh, it really stuck with me over the course of time. And that's I Hate Everything About You by a band called Ugly Kid Joe. 
but it is going up against one of the colossuses of my particular bracket, which is James Taylor's Steamroller. And again, I think that um, much of JT's catalog could have fit squarely in here, but Steamroller has a, a like a just a certain place in, in my dark, dark heart because it is, I believe, some, an attempt at blues, but it winds up being the least soulful song in the history of recorded music. You guys yeah, chime by, in whenever by you a man who's, By a man who's never spent a day unhappy and has no soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just... It's Martha's Vineyard blues. It, it is. And <laughs> it's Hot Tin Roof blues. Um, I Hate Everything About You, on the other hand, was, again, like this brief moment where... You know, the tides had turned on, you know, grunge had become very rapidly uh, ascending. And you could tell the bands that were hair metal bands the week before yeah, they that quickly got a, a facelift. Joe would be you know front and center in that under that category. Yeah, that song has a lot of qualities to me. And, and mind you, this is one that haunted my childhood because it was on MTV constantly. And it was a bunch of, you know, sort of white, trashy, ugly, suburban kids who just the way the like affect the vo- the voice the ending where it goes into that like faux bluesy yeah. ending is so painful to me and it's one of those songs too that the minute i look at the title i can hear it just pops right into my it's, head it's the la- some of the laziest songs uh, the lyrics are painful songwriting ever <clears throat> it, um uh i guess the, um you know just sort of the mother brother other Moon June Spoon <laughs> rhyme schemes that uh, that I can only think this is like the max of what these guys were capable of. They did later uh, have a, a second hit with a cover of Ca- a very earnest cover of Cats in the Cradle by Harry yeah. Chapin, um, which almost I mean God that that's almost enough to like move them forward. But I yeah. don't know. JT is uh, holding strong with. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to? Does one of you want to vote first? Because uh, I feel like I've I've held court in this particular uh, yeah. matchup. I'm happily, um, happily, because I really I, I want to get this vote in there. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Steamroller, a song that I had not heard until this tournament, and is <laughs> one of my least favorite songs of all time. <laughs> it's a grower. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Steamroller too. Yeah, it's a grower like a fucking mushroom cloud, though. It's like it's just <laughs> Cleveland Steamroller. It's, it's a crop dust. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it's so embarrassing. It um, is. I, it I, just, I wish you, the, I, I would makes me I, angrier that I don't think he's embarrassed. Oh, I'm sure he's still playing it. Yeah, I don't think he's ever been embarrassed. Yeah, I think James is pretty happy with <laughs> everything. <laughs> it's a funny anecdote. Uh, Christian and I were at Newport Folk one year, and I think Isbel was... Uh, no, no, Sturgill was about to play. And somebody came running up to the tent and was like, James Taylor's playing a surprise performance, and, like, everybody cleared out. And we're like, this is awesome. Not only do we get to see Sturgill, but James Taylor's playing really far away where we can't hear him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I think we were... Uh, yeah, what was the... Si- we just seen Nikki Lane, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... And uh, Courtney Barnett, yeah. and yeah, it was a good, it was a good lineup. But I the, love MC, the, fact the that MC got up to the mic and was like, uh, "Oh man, everybody, we think it's gonna be Sweet Baby James is coming." Yeah, like, oh fuck. Uh, like, yeah, thankfully, ah. he was like, I mean, I can't imagine what we would have done if grab your he picnic was playing, basket. 
I can't imagine what we would have done if he was playing uh, with an earshot of the drinking, like, fenced-in area. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I would have I would just thrown myself into the sea. Started a riot at the new yeah. <laughs> I think that's what the sea is there for. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll do our last two brackets. where we've just wrapped the first half of the Sweet 16, covering the East and Midwest regions. Um, we are coming right back in uh, with the West region, a um, absolutely garbage-fucking entry um, with, uh, <laughs> with the Goo Goo Dolls' Iris um, from L.A. Uh, and, of course... Oh, oh, look, and another winner. Um, we have Walking in Memphis by, uh, by Mark Cohen, um, a song that is just a magnet of loserdom. Um, so uh, I will turn this conversation over to you. Uh, I, I will just set the stage by saying that um, if you haven't seen the music video for Iris, it really is worth uh, worth taking a look at. It was um, it was a song that was included on the City of Angels soundtrack. Uh, for anybody who's probably between like twenty eight and thirty four, um, you will have. Uh, you will you will remember this from just being like beaten into you um, every single day on TRL when you got home from school for for about half a year. Uh, I can't imagine who was voting for this song. I hope never to meet one of those people. Um, but uh, but would one of you guys like to talk about Walking in Memphis? I would because I hate it so much. Um, this is sort of like the Zion versus Taco Fall of uh, Worcester. Uh, Mark Cohn's Walking <laughs> in Memphis and. Uh, and I will uh, make a, a rare correction of you, Christian. It's Buffalo, New York's own Goo Goo Dolls. So um, they, had they relocated to LA at that point? I'm sure yeah, they, but, they, they uh, are originally from Buffalo. That is that is a fair point. Which is a hot music tan. Hey, Rick James, like Memphis. Uh, well, it's it's really just the fact that they all dressed like uh, shitty hair metal, like bands, but it's sort of grown up. Like I mean, they were still wearing like leather vests. And nothing yeah, they had rock attire. Yeah, exactly. It was like you have rock attire to play like a shitty, pa- uh, like a you know power ballad. Uh, they also had grimace on bass. Yeah, they did from have grimace the on bass. <laughs> uh, Mooch from uh, I used to think he looked like Mooch from uh, Breaking Away, which is a much more dated reference than <laughs> Iris. Um, but uh, yeah, Walking in Memphis is one of those songs, uh, along with Alana Miles's Black Velvet, 
um, where the ghost of Elvis is invoked, and I really hate songs about Elvis and Jesus for the most part. Um, and when they get combined in a sort of spiritual, smoky, blue, husky, bluesy ballad like uh, Mark Cohen's own, I believe he is now successfully writing musical theater, um, which would make perfect sense. But uh, this song plagued my uh, 90s, and it still gets an awful lot of play, and a lot of people don't seem to be as turned off by it as I, I am, but I, I, I'm going full bore. This is one of my least favorite songs of all time. Yeah, I'm with you. It bothers me that people are not offended every time this comes on the radio. And with the Goo Goo's Dolls, Doo Doo Doll, Goo 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 Goo, sorry, we're one of the worst band names ever, but I also feel like it wasn't, I feel like they did like five irises. I feel like all of their songs sounded yeah. exactly <laughs> like Iris. And, and well, uh, when you got a hit. Yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, it was like there was name and then Iris. And yeah, they all were slide. identical, and um, and I hate the fact that they tried to like sex up that lead singer. And yeah, just looked like he was from Buffalo to me. Yeah, and <laughs> also I hated the fact that these band, this band, made a, an enormous uh, effort to to sort of name check their idols and you know they'd always say we want to be like the replacements yeah. and then they'd be the goo goo dolls so <laughs> they get a you know points taken away from that uh, style points taken away but I am um, not surprisingly going to go cast my vote for Mark Cohn's Walking in Memphis um, I, I, I think that um, I will uh, put on my blue suede shoes and kick his ass out of the tournament because I really do hate Iris that much um, mm. and uh, I am looking at a picture right now rock and roll t-shirts and <laughs> they can get fucked <laughs> Jerry you're the oh, exciting this is tough. I was really hoping that there would be a sweep on this one I hate both songs a lot and Goo Goo Dolls represent kind of like a very stylized annoying as fuck like record industry band to me is yeah. what they became but I walking to Memphis I just can't take it's it's, it's moving on it's moving forward so mom rock reign supreme alright yeah um that was a, oh. that was a <laughs> buzzer beater. Yeah, it was a buzzer I, I, beater. Go I need ahead. a, I, I, all right, I've got to get a drink of water. Dude. All right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a second with, uh, with the next one. And I give up forever to touch you Cause I know that you feel me somehow You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be And I don't want to go home all I could taste is this moment All I can breathe is your life Sooner or later it's over I just don't want to miss you tonight And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't So next up, we have another uh, tight matchup here with USA for Africa, We Are the World, the star-studded uh, collective singing for starving Africans, one of Christian's Ooh. favorites. And then we have the second worst band name in this lineup, 
Hoobastank is the reason. I don't know if Hoobastank is second place for the worst band name of all time, but... Uh, Goo Goo Dolls is pretty bad. Yeah, I think Hoobastank's worse. So, um... Christian, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you hate We Are the World with an unholy passion. Uh, really, is, I it do. The, is it the charitable nature of the song that makes you uh, so angry, or was it, it is, just the I'm song actually, itself? I'm very, I, this song made me pro famine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I, you know I don't know how else to put it. Um, I really, I think so. I'm I'm like one of the biggest like you know um, uh, haters of of any real kind of uh, medley or like super group. Um, combo on a uh, on an award stage. Um, I don't even like it when uh, opening acts come out and perform a song with the headliner most of the time. Um, I think it's usually like uh, it's about some kind of um, emotional satisfaction for the people on the stage and has absolutely nothing to do with the audience. I think it's selfish. Um, I think it has more to do with what like promoters and like in an award show and things. I think it's got oh, to do with like producers absolutely. and promoters taking credit for talent. Well, it's, it's also it's also um, you know in the case of like, to take the recent Grammys, um, you know it's all of the the clingers on um, of uh, of people who want to be on the same stage with Dolly Parton because they think it you know ups their cred. And sure, yeah, the the promoters have to sign off on it, um, but uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's it's you know. Um, Contrived in in the uh, in the um, most reprehensible fashion um, in, in an executive boardroom somewhere, but um, this in particular, this is literally this is the holy grail of that um, of that genre of shit. And well, I, um, I, I, I imagine you probably know the history of this song, but I just to uh, you know sort of give no, a, give it an, an additional bit well, of context. You were there. I was there. Um, this was, uh, the Brits had all gotten together, um, the Lord Sir God, Bob Geldof, and Midger from Ultravox had written, Do They Know It's Christmas, and gotten together a bunch of, like a star-studded group, and did a charity record, a one-off single, and it sold through the roof, and everybody, <clears throat> everybody was pleased with themselves for, for being, um, you know, good people, good Samaritans, but also... People, you know, it sort of uh, there was a there was, yeah <laughs> do, there was a, do, do they know it's Christmas <coughs> in Africa? Um, yeah, it was a, it was a silly song, but you know it, it's still like I don't mind the song. So I think it's much, a good song, but not to be outdone, but certainly to be outthumored was you know all these Americans <laughs> go to the American Music Did Michael Awards, Jackson write the song doesn't even really exist anymore. It wasn't even the Grammys; it was the American Music Awards or the Billboard Awards or something, and. They all get together and they try to make it feel like this urgent, um, you know, uh, desire to do good. Like they've been moved by some sort of, you know, holy ghost to get in the studio and sing this dumb song that was written by, I believe, Lionel and okay. uh, Michael. And um, but so it, it not only it like has all the earnestness of, you know, the, the people trying to do a good job, but it also just, you know, lacks any spontaneity. It was such a copycat move to put all these people in one studio and, and do this song. And, and the amount of self-congratulations afterwards from, you know, the producers and the people, it's like, you know, it's like for one night we didn't go out and do a mountain of cocaine and we went and sang a song. It's like, that's, that was the... And it was unescapable. Yeah. Still is. 
I but mean, anyway, it was. I had know. flashbacks of distended bellies and black flies flying around children's heads on the video. Yeah, which you got every five minutes on MTV. But it, it really it it sort of under it underlines the sort of earnestness and lack of humor that an American supergroup would attack. I mean, even with Dylan Especially and at that time. Springsteen, you know, singing. And it's also just, a, they don't meld at all together. There's no, everyone, that's, that's my everyone biggest problem. Is this yeah, everyone is solos, yeah. You, you have, I forgot yeah, about Bruce's part. You have 25 people recorded onto one track, each of whom thinks that they are the standout vocals and they are the voice that everybody's going to hear above everybody else's. It's really a fascinating exercise in doing the most selfish thing possible um, and... Uh, doing so ostensibly in the name of, um, you know, goodwill and, and um, charitable intention. I'm sure it was in many respects, and it raised a hell of a lot of money. Um, and I think it's really a testament to the shittiness of the song that even in spite of raising $65 million for charity, um, I can still hate it this much uh, yeah. and wish it had never happened. Well, um, I, will, and, I will suggest uh, at some point we, um, we do a USA for Africa versus... Um, uh, Band-Aid uh, podcast where we run Showdown. down who was in each one of these songs because I think there is uh, some where are they now potential on both sides of the Atlantic. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, that sounds like a great idea. Um, this is, of course, coming up against The Reason by Hoobastank, um, uh, the soundtrack to A Million Trailer Parks around the country um it is uh it is literally like you hear it and you just you can't help but start to cook meth there yeah, there had to be like about a five-year span where everybody in the inland empire uh <laughs> you just in like fontana california used this song to apologize for a relapse <laughs> <laughs> it is it's such a uh, it's like an aa meeting in the panhandle of florida <laughs> Oh, that's where Hoobastank is. Oh, sorry. Is. N-A, I, mean, I meant N-A, not <laughs> A-A. <laughs> yeah, well, one sorry, or the yeah, other. I think um, we take this to a vote. <laughs> oh, um, USA for Africa is its own voting block. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge lobbying <laughs> group. I'm going to go with USA for Africa because I had to painfully play it on at a piano recital in, I think, like fifth grade. <laughs> Shit. I was going to oh, go with Hoobastank's The Reason because... I really because you love standout bad song. (laughs) I am I am I'm actually going to flip this around. I was not expecting this, but I listened to the reason again today before before this podcast, and it is it is so bad and so sappy. Um, Yeah, it's it's going to be the reason by Hoobastank. Woo! Not disappointed. That is a small victory, but an important one. That That was a Second half uh, rush there by Hoobastank. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will leave you with the dulcet tones of Supergroup USA for Africa. Singing <laughs> we are the world. If you can find the Springsteen solo, yeah. Damien, we'd appreciate that.
Welcome back. We are three quarters of the way through the Sweet 16, and we are uh, wrapping up with the South region now where we've got uh, just a doozy of a matchup here against another number one seed, Sean Mullins, uh, that cool cat from L.A. and his song, Lullaby, uh, in which he will sing, rap, speak something to <laughs> whisper, you. Uh, whisper. He will, he will whisper. With a non-silent uh, H. Sweet. Uh, yes, sweet nothings into your ears until they bleed. Um, and uh, and then we, we have him up against the number five seed, Nine Days, absolutely the story of a girl. Um, I think we all know how that one starts. Uh, but what we need to know is how this one ends. Um, Jeremy, I think uh, of the three of us, I, well, I have to say, like Lullaby was on, on our individual list when we were seeding this tournament. Lullaby scored extremely highly. Uh, yeah, I think we all had all it, of our right? lists. And for, uh, for those of you who don't think you remember the song, the, the chorus is actually Rockabye, not Lullaby, isn't yeah, it? That's right. Yes, which yeah. uh, which is, I guess... Um, he may whisper Lullaby at some point. I can't yeah. remember, but... I don't know. I feel like when he pitched this song, like, he said, you know what I really want to do is I want to do, like, a, a Raymond Carver short story, <laughs> but in song, <laughs> like a throwback to, say, James Taylor. Yeah. I... And uh, Lullaby was was thereby had. Yeah, I always okay, find that this song has like a catchy chorus, right? That somebody was like, you have to put something around this, and yet you get this like. Yeah, it is a song that is entirely built on the chorus. Yeah, whisper story about you know strung out girl in L.A. I, I hate the song so much. It was number one on my list, and. Uh, He's just, to me too, like Sean Mullins is that guy that's probably been hanging around L.A., writing songs, Sessions guy or whatever the fuck he is, that A&R people have been like, oh, he's the next big thing. And this is like, he finally got it. Like, he finally like sat, you know, shat, sorry, out the one hit that he'll ever have and we're stuck with it for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and And, no uh, song, by the way, has ever attempted to sound like... um, loving and passionate and come across in a more like sexual predator way yeah I was um, gonna say it sounds like he's trying to like pick up a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah no he sounds like a fucking creep um, he looks like one in the video he does uh, so um, doesn't that help is, like, that you're ugly Sean Mullins severe stranger danger territory um <laughs> uh absolutely I think he's the story of a girl van, by the way too is awful <laughs> It another, feels like a song that a Sean Mullins would have written for somebody else after he retired right. from performing. <laughs> His one hit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got to wonder about the guy who wrote this for him. No, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he wrote this himself in a coffee shop somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I actually knew this song, and I knew it as its parenthetical title, "Story of a Girl," because it hammers home that lyric over and over again. Um, and it's super annoying. I don't think I ever knew who the artist was behind it. And, you know, given that it's Nine Days is the band, yeah, I don't I think have that I either. am any more familiar with them now than I was before I knew their name. No, um, not to be confused with Nine Inch Nails. Uh, no, they, they are. It's, but it is like when they put the only lyric that you've heard in a song in parentheses next to the title of a song. Um, I think you sort of know who it's being marketed toward, which is people who aren't going to look much farther than that when they, you know, make their annual sweep of Tower Records. Right, um, the CD single. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, this was, I think, 
it's it's worth mentioning that both of these songs really did come out um, sort of at the peak of a mountain of shit uh, that emerged in the 90s, partly because the record industry was just doing gangbusters selling CDs. I mean, they were so cheap to produce, the quality was great. Um, they scratched very easily, and people would have to get, you know, new ones. I, um, I, I feel like Nine Days is a... CD jewel case that I can very clearly envision collecting dust next to a uh, mini countertop wine rack with yeah. one red bottle of Bogle <laughs> in it, and uh, you know, I I wouldn't be caught dead doing drugs off that CD case. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, really, it's uh, it's a yeah. it's just I mean, it's such a crappy song and as, as you know I, you've heard me talk before I think about um, how uh, how annoying I think it is when you have this sort of piercing vocal part to, to begin a song like what the pre, that precedes any instrumental um, and it just has some sort of strange like accented affect that comes mm-hmm. from no known part of the world see um, one week yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it's been, yeah, it's like the worst example of that, but also this, I mean, where you just, you, you were like, you were so, it, it's like within a fraction of a second of it hitting the radio, I'm, I'm just, you know, lurching toward the dials, trying to like break something and turn it off. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, yeah. um, so this song came out, you know, at some point, you know, somebody was begging their friend to get his acoustic guitar out during a University of Delaware tailgate and this song got played. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, both these songs I'm are perfectly for Sean Mullins. I don't both care. these songs are perfectly engineered for people who don't have who don't like music. Yeah, this is this is for anybody yeah. so, songs for people who hate songs. Yeah. Songs for people who have more than ten greatest hits <laughs> still. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to cast my vote for Lullaby. It has to uh, happen. Yeah. Lullaby yeah. is just like Lullaby unanimous. Fuckers moving on. And right, girls, well. seriously, do not go to either of these concerts. Um, it just, it's, it sounds dangerous. We'll leave you with the story of a girl. This is the story of a girl Who cried a river and drowned the whole world And while she looks so sad in photographs I absolutely love her when she smiles Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. And just remember, you can play along at home uh, with our interactive bracket, uh, which is at our website, brotherpod.com. Uh, we urge you to, to get some of the uh, bad feeling and uh, venom out of your system by concentrating on winnowing down what the worst song ever was. Uh, if, we don't think this, if you don't think this is representative of all of the worst songs, please uh, pile on. Tell us what we missed. 
But, uh, you know, we did a lot of uh, pseudoscientific research coming up with this, and uh, we're down to our last matchup. And that pits in the uh, faux jam band category. Uh, Blues Travelers, But Anyway, versus Train's Hey Soul Sister. Oof. Yeah, wow. I mean, we talked about train a lot last time just being sort of the starbucks caramel macchiato of music mm-hmm. and white mercedes Assholes. convertibles yeah <laughs> i mean it just it just reminds me of anyone over 40 who's still wearing rock and roll attire is train thing about blues wow, that actually that actually just reminded me it completely popped into my head that one of the like urban legend things of my youth was that like the lead singer of Train was actually like sixty-five. <laughs> I think close. he is old. They're not. They're not that he's young. He's old, but he's, he's yeah. not. He wasn't sixty. He's probably not sixty-five. <laughs> I think they hit um, when he was like forty, though. No, definitely. Yeah, and I, um, I will say that um, Blues Traveler. Lucky for us, Blues Traveler's lead singer will never reach sixty-five. <laughs> um, but I, I found that, like you know, we, we do a lot of complaining about saxophones uh, collectively, and I have to say that the harmonica in Blues Traveler is the equivalent of like a thousand saxophones to me. <laughs> it's it is, every 80s it saxophone. It's like ever in a bar and it comes on, it just cuts through everything a, and a lays thousand into saxophones them. would sound kind of cool. <laughs> this does yeah. not. No, it, it does. It, for whatever reason, this particular sound that he emits with this stupid harmonica cuts through they, every they, bit of background noise and goes directly into infecting my skull. It's a combo of incredibly bad lyrics, bad delivery, and piercing harmonica. And since I'm never going to run for office, I'll give you my first experience with the song. I was uh, it's the first time I ever tried hallucinogenic drugs, and they were I lived in New Jersey, and they played the gymnasium at Drew University. So I went with a bunch of friends. <laughs> so imagine doing if you any of our listeners have ever. Partaken and maybe you guys I'm maybe pretty have, sure it, all but uh, have, yeah. things tend to get stuck in your head. And uh, I went home and stared at Oriental rugs with harmonicas <laughs> s- screaming into my brain all night. Uh, <laughs> um, and that story gets better, but I'm not going to go there. Anyways, it's also you know I mean for what it's worth, one of the hardest bands to look at him that ever came oh, yeah. out of uh, yeah, the United you, States. He's definitely going to eat the cheeseburger in paradise at some point soon. Do you think that if you go to Guitar Center and buy a harmonica, it comes with a fedora? Yes. May. And okay. a, uh, and a, and a uh, vest. And yeah, ammo vest. Or a hunter's vest or whatever that is. 75 cheesesteaks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the yeah. worst part, too, is people talking about, like, how amazing John Popper is at harmonica, you know, and it's just like yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> it's like being so, awesome at I mean, asteroids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it occurs to me also that like one of the uh, one of the big distinctions in my youth was that you know there were really two music stations that were competing for my attention, and um, you know it's funny. It's like after school for me, it really was MTV over. Um, Radio, radio was really just what I'd listen to in the car. But like I, you know, I tuned into this stuff. Um, yeah, just about every day. And and I think uh, like for Christian, MTV, it was MTV versus C-SPAN two. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, but with with MTV, you know, it was like rock and rap and bands you like. And then there was 
VH1 was sort of for everything else. Um, and, like, there has been no better, like, made-for-VH1 band in history than Train. Um, it's yep. like it's it's like the Lands End winter catalog uh, <laughs> of, of music. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I think uh, they yeah, are just like, uh, such an offensively dull band, which is shocking because they're from San Francisco, um, which you know has like a pretty incredible musical tradition. And if nothing else, like it's a Dad. fucking weird. No- yeah, I know, but 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 that's not like it's not boring, you know. Um, and like the the most the the biggest like the worst. You have part better of drugs train, than I do. I mean, it sucks, but it's not <laughs> like uh, don't make me don't don't make me defend this right now. <laughs> um, but I think uh, you know I, I think the like like the, the just the poor lyric writing yeah. attended by um, incredibly like straightforward generic bland rock um it was terrible but there but there is really just like the one lyric that i i have to point out is um like a virgin you're madonna and i'm really gonna wanna um is maybe my like my least favorite yeah until you listen to drops of jupiter and then you get the best soy latte that you ever had (laughs) on me oh you mean poured on my face i would rather have a soy latte poured on my face directly out of Starbucks than listen to that song right now. Yeah, they're definitely like the just for men of bands. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, the lyrically, it's so on the nose. So yeah, every reference is uh, literally a reference, which is painful. Mister, mm. Mister on the radio. I mean, just the course. But I gotta say, like, I don't know. This is a tough one because I, I hate Train, and, and I think this song. I, I could have put like a couple of their songs on here. Um, and a few were on my list but it is <laughs> I'm not defending Train so step back for a minute but it, it's, it is a catchy song like it's radio friendly like I, I can hear that song in the background and not get mad but when I hear the harmonica as a blues traveler in the line I'm quitting cigarette smoking it's bad for me but anyway and sung in like a reggae kind of accent it's painful to yeah it, uh, but anyway has the the, the, the sound of, of But Anyway is dog whistling to me because <laughs> I can hear it if it's playing five miles away. I think I can hear like a hint of it and it just burrows into my skull and tries to you know scrape out any, I don't know, goodwill that I have towards my fellow man. <laughs> um, anyway, you want to bring it to a vote? Or, uh, um it's a fucking. This is a day there's one. like so many of these. It's it's not an easy um, process, but but then again, that's what we're here for. We're here so that we're here to do this, so you don't have to. Christian. Oh yeah, please, everyone, salvage your uh, your your Spotify accounts. Never. Yeah. Never put yourself through this um, absolutely uh, unbearable and unforgettable process. Um, I uh, I think ultimately I I'm gonna have to go with but anyway by Blues Traveler and Wyndham. I don't think it's a dog whistle. I think it's an air raid siren. <laughs> it is. It's awful. It it just hurts. And uh, anyway, but anyway, um, yeah. I it's a, I think it's unanimous. I think uh, but uh, anyway yep. is really. Um, yeah, it's kind of a dark horse to take the train home. <laughs> 
There's some, anyway, there's some really heavy favorites that went down today. There's some uh, dark horses emerging. So uh, we've got an exciting round of eight coming up on our next podcast. But until then, head over to our website and download uh, or, or do our interactive bracket. Compete with us, win prizes, and uh, it's a little, gain a little catharsis from, um, from the weeks of research that we did. Um, and tell us what the worst song of all time is. But but please, uh, but please, I should just say as a sort of public service announcement, handle this bracket with extreme care and caution. Um, I I think uh, it may have turned out that Momo was a hoax, um, but there's uh, some pretty serious risk of self harm if you try and listen to all of these at once. It is. Anyway, thanks so much, guys, and uh, we will talk again ASAP and uh, whittle down the rest and find out what the worst song of all time is. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.